Good evening. 50 years ago, it was an interesting evening. On December 19th, 1971, Stanley Kubrick released A Clockwork Orange, the dystopian crime film adapted and produced and directed by Stanley Kubrick based on Anthony Burgess's 1962 novel of the same name. Good evening and welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. In recent weeks, we talked about Ken Russell's The Devils, also released in 1971. And we are going to talk about the film that really, whoa, it had a big cult following. A Clockwork Orange. You know, to this day, Malcolm McDowell is always remembered as Alex DeLarge. Oh, yeah. What an iconic role. Crazy, crazy movie. I bring it up because a year ago, I remember I was going to Trader Joe's. Or I was leaving. I was coming home. And on the other side of the railroad tracks, I see a bunch of uh, teenagers just kicking around garbage and trash and I thought and and there's no one else on the streets you know because that's when we were told to stay home and I thought whoa this is out of a clockwork orange so dystopian and in all actuality life is not like a clockwork orange although actually in some aspects it could be now There is a lot going on in this very iconic film. Here we go. City where the girls are so pretty. I first set my eyes on sweet Molly Malone as she wheeled her wheel through streets broad and Nara, crying One thing I could never stand was to see a filthy, dirty old drunkie howling away at the filthy songs of his fathers and going blurp, blurp in between as it might be a filthy old orchestra in his stinking, rotten guts. I could never stand to see anyone like that, whatever his age might be, but more especially when he was real old like this one was. <laughs> Mr. Alex DeLarge and his droogs. 
Now, I remember trying to read the book in college. I had to highlight all the Nastat, and there was a lot of Beethoven playing in the film. What a crazy fucking film. Oh my god. Yes. So much so that I can't play certain clips because Beethoven is in the clips. When I first saw this film, first of all, there's a lot of the rival gangs in the film. You know what Stanley Kubrick did was wild. He took this psychopath who was along the lines of Richard III and really just gave him that, you know, the eyelash and the, the little the blade. Of course, the milk, you know, the Corova milk bar. Oh, my goodness. It's been parodied. It's been, I mean, the Simpsons have parried it. Uh, Rob Zombie did a music video for Never Gonna Stop Me, Never Gonna Stop, where it takes place on the Corova Milk Bar. So much so that I think Kubrick's estate warned him to take certain things out or it would be too like the film. Oh, this is a famous scene. Here, it's got Beethoven, but fuck it, we're gonna play it anyway. This is a crazy epic scene. Frankly, sorry to bother you, but something rather odd has just happened. Well, it's probably nothing at all, but you never know. Well, a young man rang the bell asking to use the telephone. He said there'd been some kind of accident. Well, the thing that caught my attention was what he said. The words he used sounded very like what was quoted in the papers this morning in connection with the writer and his wife who were assaulted last night. <laughs> just a few minutes ago. Well, if you think that's necessary, but I'm quite sure he's gone away now. Oh, all right, fine. Thank you very much. Thank you. Hi, hi, hi there. At last we meet. Our brief covering through the letter O was not, shall we say, satisfactory. Yes? Who are you?
Now, if you could see the artwork on the um, walls of the health farm and all the cats, yeah. There's a lot of pussy going on. Oh, here we go. This is a crazy moment. They're waiting with the milk. They double-crossed him. Now, keep in mind that Malcolm McDowell is playing a teenager in the film. Yes. Um, this is... Oh, my goodness. I have to mention my professor from college. I brought this up one time in speech class, and she says, Honey, we used to talk like that. Really. She says, the Nastat in the film, she says, I used to talk like that. And she said to me, you know, I saw the X-rated version. I said, what? Yeah. Now it's an R version. Years ago, I remember Amazon. I had bought it on DVD. And Amazon said it was the X version. And I watched it and it wasn't. And, be, and then I wrote to them and they said, well, what do you want? A refund? I said, no, I want you to list it properly as R. And they said, how do you know it's not the X version? I said, because my professor told me what is in the X version and it's not in this. And so they changed it. So get it right. Here we go. Shoot, we can't play the score. Wendy, Carlos, don't come after me. Please, please, please. Oh, my God. This fucking film. <laughs> this film. Uh, it has been... Oh, I love his narration. Eggy wakes and long ticks of toast and lovely steaky wakes. And then one day, they said I was going to have a very special visitor. Yes, sir. I'm afraid my change of schedule is rather thrown I seem to have arrived with the patients in the middle of summer. Oh, that's quite all right, Minister. No trouble at all. Good evening, my boy. Hi, hi, hi there, my little droogies. Well, how are you getting on today, young man? Great, sir. Just great. Can I do anything more for you, Minister? I don't think so, Sir Leslie. Thank you very much. Then I leave you to it. Nurse? What happened is this Mr. Alex DeLarge. Let, let, let's explain some of this to you. Woo. In a futuristic Britain, Alex DeLarge is the leader of a gang of droogs. Georgie, Dim, and Pete. 
one night after getting intoxicated on drug-laden milk plus at the Corova Milk Bar, they engage in an evening of ultraviolence violence, which includes a fight with a rival gang. They drive to the country home of a writer, Frank Alexander, and trick his wife into letting them inside. They beat Alexander to the point of crippling him, and Alex rapes Alexander's wife while singing, singing in the rain. You know, Gene Kelly, when he saw that film and they were singing, singing in the rain, he said it could have used more pubic hair. Gene Kelly really said that. The next day, while Trant from school, Alex is approached by his probation officer, PR Deltoid, who is aware of Alex's activities and cautions him. Alex Drugs expressed discontent with petty crime and want more equality and high-yielded thefts, but Alex asserts his authority by attacking them. Later, Alex invades the home of a wealthy cat lady, which you just heard, and bludgeons her with a phallic sculpture while his Drugs remain outside. On hearing sirens, Alex tries to flee, but Dim smashes a bottle in his face, stunning Alex and leaving him to be arrested. With Alex in custody, Deltoid gloats that the cat lady died, making Alex a murderer. He is sentenced to 14 years in prison. Two years into the sentence, Alex eagerly takes up an offer to be test subject for the Minister of the Interior's new Ludovaco Technique, an experimental aversion therapy for rehabilitating criminals within two weeks. Alex is strapped to a chair, his eyes are clamped open, and he is injected with drugs. He is then forced to watch films of sex violence, some of which are accompanied by the music of his favorite composer, Ludwig van Beethoven. Alex becomes nauseated by the films and fearing the technique will make him sick upon hearing Beethoven begs for an end to the treatment. Two weeks later, the minister demonstrates Alex's rehabilitation to a gathering of officials. Alex is unable to fight back against an actor who taunts and attacks him and becomes ill wanting sex with the topless woman. The prison chaplain complains that Alex has been robbed of his free will. However, the minister asserts that Ludovaco technique will cut crime and alleviate crowding in prisons. Alex is released from jail only to find the police have sold his possessions as compensation to his victims and his parents have let out of his his room. Alex encounters an elderly vagrant whom he attacked years earlier and the vagrant and his friends attack him which is in this uh, show tonight. Alex is saved by two policemen but is shocked to find they are former droogs Dim and Georgie. They drive him to the countryside, beat him, and nearly drown him before abandoning him. Alex becomes barely makes it to the doorstep of a nearby home before collapsing. Now that home in question, talk about coming full fucking circle. So this film, you have Malcolm McDowell as Alex DeLarge. You have Patrick Maggie as Frank Alexander. Michael Bates as Chief Guard Barnes. Warren Clark as Dim. John Clive as Stage Actor. Adrienne Corey as Miss Mary Alexander. Carl During as Dr. Brutsky. Paul Farrell as Tramp. Clive Francis as Joe the Lodger. Michael Grover as Prison Governor. Miriam Carlin as Cat Lady. Remember the Cat Lady? What happened to her? Okay, she died. Uh, yeah. And of course, very interesting, there is a certain gentleman who would later become the bodyguard 
for Mr. Alexander. And I have to mention that he was in a clockwork orange. But the gentleman who, well, now this gentleman was in another movie that we all know. But his voice was dubbed because James Earl Jones was going to be the voice of Mr. Darth Vader. Yep. Yep. And if I can find it, let me see. Yeah. yeah okay. See, no, 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 no. I'm looking. I'm looking. David Charles Prowse, who's also in Clockwork Orange. Yep. He played Julian, the bodyguard of the old man who is paralyzed and his wife was raped so there's this legendary film now what happened was Kubrick pulled the film he pulled the film and I'm going to read why if I can find it hmm I mean, there's a lot behind this film. There's a lot behind. Okay. Reception. A Clockwork Orange was met with mixed reviews. Who cares? The following... Okay. It was nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. Mm. It's it's developed a cult classics following. That's true. That's true. American version. In the United States, A Clockwork Orange was given an X rating in its original release in 1972. Later, Kubrick replaced approximately 30 seconds of sexually explicit footage from two scenes with less explicit se- action to obtain an R rating re-release later in 1972. Because of the explicit sex and violence, the National Catholic Office for Motion Pictures rated it C, condemned. <laughs> A rating which forbade Roman Catholics seeing the film. Who cares? In 1982, the office abolished the condem- condemned rating. Subsequently, films deemed to have uh, unacceptable levels of sex and violence by the Conference of Bishops are rated O, morally offensive. Okay. Here we go. Although it was passed uncut for UK audiences in December 1971, British authorities considered the sexual violence in the film to be extreme. In March of 1972, during the trial of a 14-year-old male accused of manslaughter of a classmate, the prosecutor referred a clockwork orange, or he referred to a clockwork orange, suggesting that the film had uh, had a macabre irrelevance to the case. The film was also linked to the murder of an elderly vagrant by a 16-year-old boy in uh, Buckinghamshire who pleaded guilty after telling police that friends had told him of the film and the beating up of an old man like this one. Roger Gray QC for the defense told the court that the link between this crime and the sensational literature, particularly Clockwork Orange, is established beyond reasonable doubt. Okay, the film was withdrawn from British release in 1973 by Warner Brothers at the request of Stanley Kubrick. In the response to the allegations, the film was responsible for copy 
cat violence, Kubrick stated, to try and fasten any responsibility on art as the cause of life seems to me to put the case of the wrong uh, put the case the wrong way around. Art consists of reshaping life, but it does not create life, nor cause life furthermore to attribute powerful suggestive qualities to a film that is at odds with the scientifically accepted view that even after deep hypnosis in a post hypnotic state people cannot be made to do things which are at odds with their nature Gala Cinema Club went into re- receivership in 1993 after losing a legal battle following an unauthorized screening of the film. In the year, same year, Channel 4 broadcast Forbidden Fruit, a 27-minute documentary about the withdrawal of the film in Britain. It contains footage from A Clockwork Orange, which was also difficult to see A Clockwork Orange in the United States for tw- United Kingdom for 27 years. It was only after Kubrick died in 1999 that the film was theatrically re-released and made available on VHS and DVD. On July 4th, 2001, the uncut version premiered on Sky TV's Box Sky office where it ran until mid-September. Oh my god. Yeah. I wish I had a copy of it. (laughs) It was nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Editing. Oh my god. Yeah. What a what a crazy fucking film! I love it though. The differences between the oh well, there's always a difference between the novel and the film, but we won't go into that. And you know, Kubrick would do that a lot. And that was the brilliance of uh, Stanley Kubrick. A Clockwork Orange remains an influential work in the cinema and other media. The film is frequently referenced in pop culture, which Adam Chandler of the Atlantic attributes to Kubrick's genreless directing techniques that brought novel innovation in filming music and production that had not been seen at that time of the film's original release. A Clockwork Orange appears several times on the American Film Institute's top movie lists number six in the 1998 afi's 100 years 100 movies at number 70 in 2007 second listing alex large is listed the 12th in the villain section of the afi's 100 years 100 heroes and villains in 2008 the afi's top 10 rated a clockwork orange as the fourth greatest science fiction movie to date the film was also placed the 21st in the afi's 100 years 100 thrills yeah Mm. you know one person who could really sum up oh well malcolm mcdowell on a clockwork orange we gotta we gotta go to the man himself you know uh he is forever remembered for it and here we go mr this was done by the afi the movie became prophetic because um, it foretold, of course, gang violence, which, of course, there was then, but it wasn't so sophisticated as it is today. And I think that's one of the enduring things about the movie. The um, amount of drug use, the gang violence, the futuristic kind of thing, but it's not futuristic at all, is it? Um, you know, it, it's staggering, actually. And... and um, you know, the identification marks on the gangs. But, you know, this was all done in um, West Side Story. For God's sake. I mean, we're not in- 
new he's just pushing it a little further the envelope is being pushed he came over to me i was sitting down he went can you dance and um i said hey can i dance of course i couldn't dance yeah but um i leapt up and immediately went into a sort of skit of and singing in the rain blurted out and i started whacking boom kicking and he was so taken aback. He he was so joyous. He laughed so hard. I mean, tears. And he said, "Come with me." We I got in his car. We drove at 15 miles an hour to the, his house, and he bought the rights to singing in the rain. We went back, and it took a week to reconstruct. I was going, "What did I do? What did I do? I I don't remember what I did." You know, and I had to sort of piece it all back together and. Um, it was just the perfect thing because, you see, the character was at his most euphoric when he was beating and raping and pillaging. This movie is about the right to choose. It's as simple as that. The right to choose how we live our life. Now, we can either decide to be a good citizen or an antisocial one. But is it the right of the government, you know, to come in and mess with our chemistry and, and our physique? Um, I don't think so. That's what the film is saying. Well, it's a classic, you know, and it's a classic because it doesn't date. That is my um, reference for a great film, is that you can watch it time and time again. It doesn't date. Um, the themes are universal. They're just as poignant now as it was then and uh of course um you know it even looks rather futuristic even today it looks futuristic that's the brilliance of stanley mr malcolm mcdowell a little bit of the old in out in out on a weepy devotchka i am first of all I've been I when I want I did I didn't end up making films but I you know who inspired me it was Kubrick and the way he first of all he's so mysterious he started out as a photographer for Life magazine and so much so of his uh, filmmaking I mean he pissed people off you know. Um, Malcolm McDowell says one minute you love him and the next minute you hate him. Oh, this is interesting. I love this. Here we go. Was I think the first punk rock movie ever made. Steven Spielberg. And uh, you know, it was a, it was it was a very bleak vision of a dangerous future where young people, teenagers are free to roam the streets without any kind of parental, you know, exception. And, and they break into homes and they assault and rape people. And it was that the subject matter was dangerous. Um, but Kubrick had a kind of twinkle in his eye, especially the scene where you hear Gene Kelly singing, singing in the rain, uh, when he's basically kicking a man practically to death. And that was one of the most horrifying things I think I've ever witnessed. Just a counterpoint of the music and the song and, and kicking him every time the music commanded it and and that was audacious and, and i think very dangerous in this time 
But when you look at the movie right now, unfortunately, history is caught up to the movie. And uh, the headlines we now live with every day in our lives are not dissimilar to some of the subject matter of this 1960s film, uh, Clockwork Orange. Mr. Steven Spielberg talking about his friend, someone he he really admired, Stanley Kubrick, as did Scorsese, as did George Lucas, Francis Ford Coppola. I mean, so many of them, you know. I love, but, you know, Malcolm, I, I remember seeing Malcolm McDowell in a movie. And just thinking, oh my God, it's Alex DeLarge. I even remember as a kid seeing him in fairy tale theater, and I had never seen the film at that point, or I hadn't. I was too young, and he was in there with his then wife, Mary Steen Virgin, and he was playing the big bad wolf. And I thought, oh God. And then when I grew up and I saw it, oh, I get it now. And the big bad wolf, he never ate a living thing for the rest of his life. <laughs> <laughs> oh god malcolm oh you know the book the book is so fascinating and so interesting and oh here's here's david prouse take talking about kubrick St stanley and us oh i love this one take kubrick yeah right he took several this is this is the man who went on to play Darth Vader. Here we go. Well, the, 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 the scene at the table was it was an interesting scene for me because uh, I was actually doing a part which um, I really never ever bargained for. Um, Stanley came up to me and said, "Look, you know, this is the bit where you carry Patrick McGee in his wheelchair down the stairs, um, and then at the end of the scene, you, you actually put him down onto the floor and then wheel him into the table, and then you go around and sit at the table, and then there's then there is a dialogue scene, and um, it's a very very famous scene. It's where Alex is, drinks the drug wine and eventually kills over into the spaghetti, um, and, and Patrick McGee is a, is a fantastic fan, fantastic actor, very very intense, uh, very." very intense scene and so I said to Stanley I said I said are you, you know you can't be serious about this are you I mean are you want me to carry Patrick McGee who must weigh 170 odd pounds plus the wheelchair which is probably another 30 pounds I said you ask asking me to carry three to 200 pounds uh, or, or like 100 kilos down the stairs I had to put him onto the floor wheel him into the table and then and then go and hold a dialogue scene you say and he said yeah you can do it you say I said, yeah, I know, but your name is not One Take Kubrick, is it, you say? And the whole scene, the whole set went quiet, you know. I'd actually called Stanley One Take Kubrick, you say. And, uh, and he just smiled, he just laughed it off. I think everybody, everybody thought I was going to get the sack, you know, there and then. And, uh, but he just laughed it off and he said, well, he said, we'll, we'll, we'll shoot this as, um, um, as, as, as quickly as we possibly can. And I think we shot it in about six takes. But the, the funny thing was, was they, did, they decided at the beginning of the scene to give us neck mics. And... Um, and, and of course, you know, carrying somebody down the stairs is a very strenuous job, you know. And it was like three flights of stairs, and then putting him down on the floor, wheeling him into the table, going back and sitting down. And then, of course, I had to sit down and, and look as though it was nothing. I look as though what I've just done is just you know, a matter of course, you see. But, but by the time you get to the, by the time you finished all that, you know, you're beginning to puff and blow, you see. So, uh, so I, 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 did, I did it the first time. And I got to the got to the I got to the seat, sat down at the table, and I'm I'm a little bit out of breath, you know, and I'm and I'm there sort of trying not to show it, and so I'm there. All... <sighs> 
this sort of thing, you know, trying not to show that there was any effort. And Stanley says, oh, there's some terrible noises coming over the neck mics. He said, let's change all the neck mics, you see. So with that, they've changed the neck mics, and we're going to shoot the scene over again, you see. So, and it was in, within, like, minutes, like you said, after doing the first time. So we do it the second time. And so, of course, the second time, by the time I've done it the second time, I'm now beginning to get a bit more blowing, you see. So I'm there going... <laughs> And Stanley comes out again, he says, change all the neck mics. He said, there's terrible noises coming over the neck mics again. You see? So we change the neck mics for, for the second time. And then, uh, and then we do it the third time. And then I sit down again. And of course, it's, by this time, I'm, I'm absolutely shattered. You know? And I sit down and, I, and then they go... <sighs> Stanley comes out, he says, oh, he said, I can see what it is now. And with that, we, uh, he said, they took the neck mics off. And uh, we shot the scene without neck mics. And... Uh, um, and then, of course, it was a, it was, it was, a, it was a, a really very, very intense scene with uh, Alex Moore wine, you know, and it's all this, it was really, really, really quite scary. And then Alex keels over and facing the spaghetti, and that was the end of the scene. Then, of course, they bring in uh, John Savage and Margaret Isaac, and, uh, and then uh, because everything continues from there on. So that's. Uh the late David Prowse talking about making a clockwork orange with Mr. Stanley Kubrick. You know, that pivotal moment with the clamps over his eyes, apparently one of them came off and, and really severely injured Malcolm McDowell, and it pissed him off. I mean, here we go. Let's do a little of this. seen any of Kubrick's other films and you didn't know where you were, you would know it was a Kubrick film. And I'll smash your face for you, your blockos. <laughs> yeah, and that's a documentary uh, called Great Ballsy Yarblockos. Making of a Clockwork Orange. Now there is a pit. There's one of my favorite scenes cinematically in a Clockwork Orange, is they're walking, and the narration is. Um, it, it's a, it's the scene with the water. Hold on, a Clockwork Orange scene with the water. That is such an intense scene. Flat block marina scene. Oh my god. That 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 scene is and it has the music. And so I thought maybe if I could do it for you, you know, cuz I don't want to Okay, here we go. That that is that is the scene. That is the scene of scenes. Um, be 
because they're walking and you know <laughs> reservoir dogs copied it uh, they did where they're all walking and flat block marina that that scene though that will forever that in the beginning you know whenever it's all of them together oh here we go i love this I, i'm gonna try as we walked along the flat block marina i was calm on the outside but thinking all the time now it was to be georgie the general saying that what we should do and what not to do and dim as his mindless greeting bulldog but suddenly i vidied that thinking was for the gloopy ones and that the uni ones used like inspiration and what bargain sends now it was lovely music that came into my aid there was a window open with a stereo on and i vidied right at once what to do and he's saying that in the narration and there's no dialogue and um uh they're just kind of if if i can let's see if we can i can't play it because of the music oh this it's this is you know if we want to talk about the cinematography this is just awesome and they're walking um and uh alex has his cane they they're all dressed dressed in their best along the flat block block marina the music is intensified. You know, this is Beethoven's ninth, and this was Kubrick's ninth. Come on, let's let's go there, motherfuckers. And the narration that I just said is going on. And he he is aware that they don't want to follow him anymore. Oh, and then he goes, hits him in the balls with the cane. They react. He kicks him into the water. Whoa, yeah, and the way he falls is just crazy. Okay, and Dim has got the chain now. And now Dim has fallen into the water. And then the other guy. Ah, and then Alex is about to pull out his blade from the cane. And Dim reaches, he reaches his hand out like he's God to Dim. The other guy runs off. Alex cuts Dim's hand with the blade is to signify you traitor whoa and and dim reacts by just falling back into the water it's i'm being very descriptive now of a clockwork orange this is this is one of my favorite scenes because the way this is kubrick okay he this is punk rock now i guess they've all made up they're gonna go have a drink yeah right yeah right you know the dystopianness of this film everything is in ruins and the droogs are in fucking charge they are in charge this is the first ever punk rock film and i am so happy to present it whether you like it or not it is a controversial film to some um i don't recommend it for the faint of heart look a clockwork orange directed by stanley kubrick the man as jack nicholson once called him he he, he still calls him that you know or when they did uh it's a shining together i am a technical person so here we go 
directed by Stanley Kubrick, produced by Stanley Kubrick, screenplay by Stanley Kubrick, fuck yeah, based on A Clockwork Orange by Anthony Burgess, starring Malcolm McDowell, Patrick Maggie, Adrian Corey, Miriam Carlin, music by Wendy Carlos, cinematography by John Alcott, edited by Bill Butler, Warner Brothers, 1971 at 136 minutes yeah this is of course a clockwork orange the film that cannot be duplicated but is often imitated as always unpleasant dreams and mr stanley kubrick who in fact died in march of 1999 he had just completed work on eyes wide shut stanley kubrick died march 7th 1999 of a heart attack the man who gave us a space odyssey 2001 dr strange love paths of glory the shining full metal jacket and of course tonight's film a clockwork orange unpleasant dreams